It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson, back in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and not just football today. Nope, we finally can start talking a little more basketball with some news coming out of the SEC conferences and the preseason meetings today, but there's also a football game that is going on this upcoming week. After falling short to Alabama, we now have a chance to see Texas A&M really take that step in the right direction of which way is their season going to go. Are they going to be true contenders or are they going to be pretenders when they face off against this 3-4 and four Ole Miss team? Before we go any further, make sure you're following us on social media at Aggies SI. The Sports Illustrated Aggie Maven is now partnered with Locked on Aggies. You can check out all of our great content, all of our great shows. Every episode of Locked on Aggies will be found there. But at the same time, you can also follow me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. You can also follow us at Locked on Aggies. And check out all of our great content at LockedOnPodcast.com. Before we begin on that note, there was one other thing that we can talk about that happened today that could be really special to Texas A&M. And it could eventually be something that is brought up and spoken about in the future for a very, very, very long time. And that is the XFL. Now, whatever your opinion is of spring football, whether you think it's going to work, whether you don't, that's fine. I think everyone's allowed to have that opinion. We've seen it in the past. We've seen what it can be and what also it's done most recently we saw the alliance of american football really fizzle out on its own without the support and without the money and the foundation that was behind it many of you who follow this podcast and have followed me throughout my career know i was a member of one of the teams out in san antonio i was the team reporter for the san antonio commanders so Today was a very special day for me being able to see some players that I really had a special bond with, guys who I really respected, get their second, third opportunity, or just even another chance in general to continue their playing careers. The XFL Draft is going on today as well. This is the final day. There's going to be over 50 rounds today as they try to decide who's going to be on their final roster, 71 total players on each of the eight rosters. That includes the teams with Seattle Dragons, the St. Louis Battlehawks, the Houston Roughnecks, the Dallas Renegades, the New York Guardians, the DC Defenders, the Tampa Bay Vipers, and the Los Angeles Wildcats. But at the same time, this is a Texas A&M podcast. So why would I be talking about the XFL if... It doesn't pertain to Texas A&M. The fun fact is, it does pertain to Texas A&M. Because two players will go down in history if the league lasts. And it could last for maybe 10 years, 20 years. It could last for 5 years even. But if the league lasts longer than 1 year, two players from Texas A&M's history will go down as the first players ever drafted by an XFL team. And that would be former Texas A&M running backs Christian Michael and Trey Williams. 
Michael was, of course, the guy who helped transition AM over from the Big 12 to the SEC. He was a part of the 2012 roster that went into Bryant Denny Stadium and defeated Alabama. He rushed for over 12 touchdowns that year, and in his freshman year, he kind of set that mark with 10 total touchdowns for AM. Then he was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks, never really got the ball rolling for his entire career over the course of five seasons. He only rushed for 1,079 yards, and he only scored seven touchdowns. Now he has a shot to revamp his career, probably never get back to the NFL, but you know there's always hope and expectation that a player like him could, especially with promise and production. We've seen what happened in the AAF, so because of that, we now know that this is plausible. Spring football can last, and it can help transform players. But he's going to be part of the St. Louis Battlehawks offense. We're going to be able to see him hopefully take those right steps and be a massive part of the plan moving forward. And you have to love and respect the fact that he's not ready to give up his game. Now he's going to be the focal point of that offense. Meanwhile, one pick later, Trey Williams was reunited with his former head coach, Mike Riley, who was coaching him in San Antonio with the Seattle Dragons. Now, Williams was known predominantly during his freshman year as a special teams player. He was the 2012's return man of the year. He also was a vital part of that AM offense for three seasons. Before he declared for the draft, he scored a total of, I believe, 18 touchdowns in three seasons on the ground, and he also was effective through the air. I believe he scored five more that way. Undrafted, kind of bounced around a little bit, but he really started earning the respect of the league and really started earning the respect of his players as one of the more fast, vocal, uh, dual-threat kind of running backs that you want, speedsters kind of guy, and he did that out in San Antonio with Mike Riley and Matt Troxell's offense. Scored three total touchdowns. I believe he rushed for over 300 yards. He had over 175 receiving yards in a span of eight games. So he is now going to become that speedy, shifty, dual threat, kind of all-purpose back. Uh, Darren Sproles is how he used to explain the meme, how he felt about it, So, or at least his role. So we're going to be able to see him now find success. So two A&M players could go down in history if the XFL succeeds as first players, the franchise pieces, the key pieces, the, the, the big name guy on their roster. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool moment. And the fact that they were both running backs and one used to back up the other and one went right after the other it's a pretty cool moment, and we're going to hopefully be able to get Trey on this show. He and I know each other pretty well due to our time together in San Antonio, so hopefully we'll be able to get him on the show before he leaves for Seattle, and we'll get a little more information on that. There was also two other players who were drafted yesterday by XFL teams, one being Cam Clear, a former tight end for Texas A&M. Never really was a big receiving threat. He went through a couple of different things, but he started to really shine and represent A&M well in the AAF. He caught a pair of touchdowns as well. Very good blocker overall. He's probably going to make an appearance on this podcast. He was drafted by the Seattle Dragons. The San Antonio Commanders actually brought in, I believe, eight total former players to Seattle in the Great White North. So Mike Riley is going to have a lot of good players who he knows pretty well up there. Also, Avery Genesee, he was a transfer player. Most of you guys remember he played left tackle for two years, 2015-2016 seasons. He kind of bounced around the NFL, played a little bit with Jacksonville, played a little bit with Cleveland, 
Most recently, he was with the San Antonio Commanders as well before he was traded uh, over to the Atlanta Legends. He was picked up in the third round of the offensive lineman draft by the Houston Roughnecks. So he's going to be pretty close to College Station. For any Aggie fans out there, if you want to go make that trip to go see June Jones, they're playing at TDECU Stadium where the Houston Cougars play. You can always make that trip. Avery Genesee is expected to be a focal point of that offensive line playing either left or right tackle. And as we mentioned before, there still is football this week. We're going to talk a little bit about basketball. We're going to talk about some some of the storylines going into football. But before we do, here's a quick word from our sponsors from Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Hey, if you want to give us a follow, just make sure you follow us on social media. Me at Mr. Cole Thompson. You can follow Aggie Maven at uh, Aggies SI. You can follow Locked on Aggies at Locked on Aggies. Pretty simple. Locked on Aggies, same name of the podcast, same name as the Twitter handle. Make sure you follow us. Stay up to date with all things Texas A&M because we got a lot to talk about. And the first thing we got to talk about, of course, is... A chance for AM to get back on the right track. That's going to be pretty much the biggest storyline. And we got a ton of storylines today, but that's going to be the big one right now. Is AM getting back on the right track against a team like Ole Miss? Because if they can, game open. I mean, th- there's a lot that needs to happen for AM to be the representatives of the SEC West. Teams have to literally beat each other down to a pulp. And if they can't do that, well, then AM's probably just going to a regular bowl game. But they could better their chances to possibly be a 9-3 and team and maybe a late bloomer and at-large bid for one of the New Year's Six Bowls. And if not a New Year's Six Bowls, at least one of the biggest-name bowl games that the SEC non-New Year's Six teams can go to. So... That is one of the biggest things, but it all starts right now. It starts this week against Ole Miss. Three and four. Both teams are coming off a loss. Both teams are going to need big wins to kind of salvage their season. If Ole Miss loses, they move to three and five on the year. Matt Luke is probably getting looked at as being on a pretty scorching seat. Jimbo Fisher, on the other hand, if he loses... That seat's not going to get warm because of the contract that's in place, but there's going to be a lot of questions that are going to come around that are definitely going to play a factor into it. But one of the biggest storylines, of course, that we got to talk about is how do you stop Ole Miss's offense? Because they're a pretty good offense. Now, the passing game, yeah, it, I mean, it's there. We know it's there. We know it's productive. We know that it, it can be there, but they're known for the run game, and that's the biggest thing. And when you look at the two quarterbacks, John Reese Plumley and Matt Coral, both rely heavily on the run. Coral is a better thrower than Reese Plumley. I think that's kind of a given, especially from what we've seen. But they're both a very run-heavy, dual-threat style quarterback. Uh, Coach Fisher said yesterday that there's one who's probably running in that 4-4-4-5 range, and that's Plumley. When you watched him against Columbia, against Missouri in Columbia, my apologies, you have to realize he was the leading rusher. And it wasn't just that 40-yard touchdown run that he broke free against in the middle of the open field. He did it consistently against Missouri's defense. And Missouri's defense maybe is a little better than AM, but we're, we're talking minimal. 
we are definitely talking minimal. Right now, the Rebels lead the SEC in rushing yards during conference games, and they're averaging 283.2 yards per game against teams in their own league. They're going to have to shut them down. When the team is not relying on their dual-threat quarterbacks making plays in the open field, they're going to rely on their on their running backs. But the last three games, their running backs have fallen behind whoever is under center. He's leading the charge. So if Mike Elko's defense, who praises themselves on being pretty good at stopping the run, can stop the run and force this team to pass, which, by the way, Fisher's not letting up on that. He believes that that's still going to be something to bring up later on. But if they can rely more against the run and they could stop the run and force a pass, you kind of eliminate one quarterback immediately. Because Plumley has an okay arm at best, where Coral is certainly the better of the two throwers. And you don't want to give Coral an opportunity to run the ball. You want to throw it. And if, if possible, even if they try to shake things up and maybe have Coral run it and Plumlee throw it, you want to be able to create the, those turnovers. And that starts by stopping the quarterbacks. Another big storyline to follow is one that we've talked about in multiple forms, but we're going to just narrow it down. We're not going to nitpick. We're just going to broaden it out. Consistency. A&M has to be more consistent. You cannot make mistakes against teams with these type of offenses. Now, luckily for A&M, the defense at Ole Miss is not an Alabama-caliber defense. They're not an Auburn-caliber defense. They're an Arkansas-style caliber defense. So it's going to be easier for them to score. But once the Aggies score... You're not relying on your defense to be consistent on stopping offenses and forcing punts. We brought this up already, but let's just bring it up again. Alabama didn't punt until the fourth quarter. That does not raise any red flags. It was either a touchdown or a field goal every single drive. They consistently were able to score. A&M is not going to be that team that consistently scores. They're just not. I think everyone at this point knows it. You're, You're six games into the season. You're not going to score consistently. But if your defense can consistently stop you or your opponent from scoring, it allows your offense to make several mistakes here and there where punts are involved. And then you just have to make up and score big. You won't be able to settle for field goals. You're going to have to then go for those touchdowns. But it also means to get those touchdowns, being consistent on third down. You got to pick up that first down marker and keep the ball moving. You can't go on a one yard, 92 yard play and then go three and out. That's not consistent. Consistency means moving the ball in the right direction. And with AM, we've seen them start hot, cool off, go cold get warmer, get warmer, get pretty hot, and then cool right back off. And that's not the definition of consistency. That's the definition of struggling. Basically, in the end, all you have to do is just be moving the ball in the positive direction. Make those plays on defense that give AM a positive outlook. 
if you can do that, these are not two even teams, although their records look that way. A&M is a better team, not just on paper, but from production. They've already both played Alabama. A&M starters stayed in the entire game. Alabama starters stayed in the entire game. That didn't happen when Ole Miss was playing them. Ole Miss scored 31 points, which is like, yeah, okay, you scored more. You also did it against a lot of their second-team defenses and garbage points late. A&M was out, but they weren't down and out. They were more so just down, I guess, would be it. At the end, they were out, but they weren't out just yet. So if you establish consistency, you're going to be fine. There's plenty more to talk about when we're discussing this A&M Ole Miss game, but first, here's a quick word from our sponsors presented by Locked On Aggies. Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson still here in the driver's seat. We're talking storylines covering A&M and Ole Miss. We're talking about that game coming up. That game's going to be played also first road game in conference for A&M this season because both their road games are one is always at a neutral site. That is the Southwest Classic. That's always in Arlington at AT&T Stadium. Jerry World, because, you know, Jerry Jones went to Arkansas, and there's that rivalry, so you know that that was going to happen. And the other game it was in Clemson, and they don't play in the SEC. So this is the first real road test of the season in an SEC-type environment where one team definitely has the advantage. So it's going to be interesting to see how A&M responds, especially with losses at home. Maybe they're a better road team. Last year, when they played Clemson, Clemson struggled, and they ended up winning the national championship. This year, we've at least seen A&M put up points in neutral, neutral locations, and we've seen them struggle at times, but limit production from pretty good teams in their own backyard. So... Add all that together, and that could definitely play in AM's favor. Another thing for AM that could probably play in their favor is the opportunity that's ahead. When you look at this AM team, they don't really have a lot to lose anymore, and they can start kind of playing for fun. No longer being ranked kind of takes that burden off of are we an overrated team? Are we an underrated team? It's kind of just we're a team right now. And we need to get back to just finding out that we're a team. And maybe because of the fact that they're going to go into this game unranked against another team that's just unranked, that could be a huge difference maker. Think about it this way. If you're a college kid studying for a regular test or maybe just doing a you know quick paper to get a good to get a good grade, you're probably not worried when you're going through the motions at work you can probably knock out, you know, a couple of big deals or whatever you do, maybe start a project and, you know, it feels like time is just flying by because you don't have the pressure on you. But it's a final exam, like the bar or trying to get into grad school, or it's a presentation that could bring in hundreds of thousands of dollars to your company. And you're the only person who can decide if your company is good enough or not. It's the same thing with AM. With no pressure on them to be this elite team under Jimbo Fisher, maybe they can just have some fun. 
And that could just be what they all have always needed, was to get that pressure removed off of them because they're not the next Alabama. And I'm not saying that A&M isn't a good team. I think that they're a very good team, and they've just lost to some very, very talented teams. Potentially two or three that could be in the college football playoff. That's how good some of the teams they're playing this year are. That doesn't mean A&M isn't good. It just means that some teams are better. Down the line, they could possibly, under Fisher, become the next Alabama. I don't know that. Nobody does. But to put that pressure on them to do it now, that's a little insane. That is just a little ludicrous. So with this opportunity ahead to pretty much just go in, say, all right, let's give it our best. We know how good of a team we are. Maybe that's what clicks. Maybe that's what makes this A&M team better. Maybe that's what was missing all along for this roster. Who knows? Could be anything. But that's definitely the storyline I'm looking at most. They have a chance to start start fresh. 3-3, three and three, to me, it's just like being 0-0. Zero and zero. You can either trend upwards or you can trend downwards. And if you trend in the negative spotlight, now you have some questions. But if you start trending upwards, maybe that says more about the team that you were playing rather than the team that you are. That makes sense? I think it makes sense. Before we get on out of here, there was basketball preseason meetings today here at Texas A&M. And good news, bad news situations. Good news, Billy Kennedy is no longer the head coach of Texas A&M basketball. Buzz Williams is. And Buzz Williams found plenty of success up in Blacksburg with the Hokies. He turned them into a pretty solid basketball team. Bad news. Not a lot of people are buying into the AM hype this year. Maybe it's because there's better coaches. Maybe it's because there's better members on staff. Maybe it's because of better recruiting. But as of the preseason SEC polls, according to the media uh, media polls this week, AM is projected to finish 12th in the SEC this upcoming season against SEC opponents. Coming in first, second, and third naturally is Kentucky, Florida, and LSU. And a surprise, Auburn coming in fifth despite them being in the Final Four up in Minneapolis last year. But AM comes second to last. Vanderbilt is expected to come in last. Well, all right, at least Vanderbilt is kind of consistent in that regards of being an average sporting program outside of baseball. But AM is returning five potential starters. Last season, they went 6 and 12 in SEC play. The goal, I think, for AM and Williams this year is to get this team better than what they were. Maybe that's 9 and 9. Maybe that's 10 and 8. 11 and 7. It's just about getting better. You don't need to be the best team this year, and that's not possible. You're returning a bunch of starters who struggled last year. And you're recruiting, you're still trying to figure out what type of players you're going to have. So, let's just say it like it is. You get better than what you were, 6-12, and 12, you're good. You're definitely headed in the right direction. That's going to do it for Wednesday's edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure that you also watch the upcoming XFL draft today. You could see a couple more Aggies making their mark, trying to go continue their playing careers 
Make sure that you're also following us on social media at SI Aggies. Make sure you're following me on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. Make sure you check out all of our great content at SI.com slash T-A-M-U. That's where you can find all of our podcasts of Aggie Maidman. That's where you can also find all of our articles surrounding Texas A&M as we prepare for another great Aggie football week. Texas A&M will travel to Vaught-Hemingway Stadium to take on the Ole Miss Rebels. That game is going to be at 6 p.m. featured on SEC Network. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place. And remember, gigam y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.